All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today. I don't think it's into your head. I hope you don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 108 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host today, Julian Gill, and I am joined by a stranger in a St. Louis cap, Lonnie. What's up? St. Louis Kiss, welcome back. It's been a while. Glad to be back. It's been too long. Excellent. Marcus Almighty Mark, as always. Hello. Thank you. And 69th Blizzard Ken, welcome Hello. back. Well, we don't really have too much of a topic today, um, so that'll be all. We'll see you next time. Nice. <laughs> all right. Now, um, today's topic is really, we were going to do this a little bit earlier in the year, but uh, schedules being what they were, we just never really got around to looking back at 2016 and, you know, talking about some of the high points and low points and other stuff that happened during the year that we may, you know, want to kind of revisit. Uh, we're not going to go sequentially month by month because, you know what, we didn't do any preparation for the show, so we're going to completely wing it and just, you know, really see what pops to mind when talking about 2016 in terms of KISS. Is it a good year? Is it a bad year? Is it an indifferent year? Um, I, I think for me, the standout things from 2016 were, number one, Ace Frehley's Origins Volume 1 album, which, uh, if my glasses weren't fogging up and I could see the screen... Um, I believe <laughs> it, came, it, it came out in April. Damn, damn it, too close to my face. Um, and the other release, of course, musically, was Kiss's uh, Kiss Rocks Vegas, which came out in August. August. So, you know, on, on the way I look at things musically, and it's whenever something new surfaces, and yeah, for everyone to say, but yeah, these bootlegs came out. Um, yeah, I already had those, so those didn't come out in 2016, so... I don't like people who brag. <laughs> um, you know, so so those shows that surfaced, yes, they indeed did surface. And you know what? They're not stunningly fantastic enough to really get excited about. They're kind of your average mid-70s quality bootlegs, which, you know, anything that is a, an addition to the KISS library is a good addition. But unless they've got, like, some, you know, Peter getting in a fight on stage or, you know, Gene falling over or something interesting they're really all the same they're kind of cookie cutter by this point so let's talk about origins have any of you guys listened to that recently um and that is have any of you listened to that after the month of april last year lonnie since you're back for the first time in a while i'm gonna go straight to you there origins maybe, how does it live with you now maybe it's because you saw my facial expression you said when's the last time you listened to origins i was kind of like mm. i can't say I've listened to it recently at all, honestly. And that's not to take anything away from it. I enjoyed it. I'm not a big cover albums guy. I, you know, if, very rarely do I say, oh, I want, I want to listen to an artist's cover album. You know, like I don't put on, if I listen to Guns N' Roses, I don't put on the Spaghetti Incident. <laughs> you know? For and and that and that's another topic, but but if I want to listen to some solo waste freely, I enjoy Origins. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, if I want to listen to some solo waste freely, I want to listen to Space Invader. I want to listen to some Freely's Comet or um or Anomaly. I'm or 
but you know, it's it's good, but it's it's not one of my go-to albums. If, if I'm going on a, a car ride for a half hour, 45 minutes, I'll, let's let me listen to that. It's so I can honestly say I haven't listened to it much, probably since May or June. Is, um, is Ace coming maybe, near maybe, you? Maybe a song or two in a rotation when I have a shuffle playlist going, but that's about it. Is Ace coming near you on this current run of shows? I, have, I haven't yeah. really looked at Personally. Yeah. I wish it was. I, I enjoyed him when I saw him a year and a half ago. Which actually, was, Mark, Mark, before I go to you, I, I want to go back to Lonnie. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I just did remember something that... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rock and Brews. Rock and Brews. Mm-hmm. I got I, to meet Gene and Paul. Yeah, I, 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 I want to just take a break of talking about Ace and go to st louis you went to the opening of where was their uh, restaurant opening for you locally it's in chesterfield it's about 20 minutes from my house which is perfect um it's in a you know um uh, upper not an upper part of town but a middle to upper part of town so you know i understand the location of it it's in a it's in a uh, huge strip mall and in the parking lot of a huge strip mall with a bunch of you know restaurants in front of it. it's in a great location for a restaurant um, so me and my buddy Joe Dell went and had a great time. He's, a, he's, he is a freaking blast. I love that guy. Every time I go out with him, I, I laugh harder than I do with anyone. But, um, we did the VIP, which was like 200 bucks and you get your picture taken with Gene and Paul. It was guaranteed to get your picture taken with Gene and Paul. And then when you walk in, they, uh, gave you this little slip of paper that told you where to get your picture in a couple of days, you know, and it says, you know, it's on our Facebook page, whatever. But then it also says on there, and I still have it in my wallet here. It says, please refrain from asking them to sign any memorabilia as both Joe and I are walking in with our arms full of memorabilia. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so you know, you walk in, you get your picture taken with them. Really similar to like a meet and greet. They're just hurting you in. You get two seconds with them, fist bump them, smile, on to the next guy. And there was two. I think there was 150 VIPs. They let us in. Let us in first. And yeah, you say 200 bucks. Well, 200 bucks for two seconds with them. But you did get free food and drink while you're there, which is nice. You get dinner out of it. And then they let in other people that are just like regular attendees. And like they had to pay, I don't know, like a hundred dollars maybe to get into the event because the, the whole restaurant was completely shut down that night unless you had bought a ticket in advance. And then Gene and Paula get done taking their pictures and they went off into like this VIP section was kind of roped off with some big burly guys standing in front of it. And um, so the so kitchen. Kinda, correct. <laughs> So we're kind of we're kind of just sitting there, and you can see them where they're at, though. You can still see them where they're at. So we're just kind of standing there watching them, and you know, but you know, we do have our our sharpies out and our memorabilia primed and ready in case they do come out. And Gene came out, and he gets mobbed, just absolutely mobbed, and he could hardly move. And he had a guy next to him; he was trying to. You know, you guys got to back up a step, back up a step, you know, and he was signing and he was really cool about it. And then Paul, well, actually, I'm sorry, Paul came out first and he got by. And I got Paul to sign my um, box set from 2001, the little miniature guitar, guitar case. Nice. And then all of a sudden, yeah, I'm signed that. And I had a couple other things, too. So I was like, oh, I'm right here. I'm going to try to get him. And then all of a sudden he had his back to me. And I, because of the mob of people, I wasn't able to maneuver myself around to get back in front of him 
And in the meantime, Gene comes out and he gets mobbed immediately too. Probably even worse than Paul did. But Paul's got his back to me and I'm like, I'm wasting time here. So I go over to Gene and Gene signs my box set too. I got him to sign that right away. But I still had a really good prime spot for Gene. And Gene like goes up to my buddy Joe and he signs something for him. And Joe was like standing at a table, like a bar stool, bar high table. And Joe says, hey, you just want to use this table right here to sign stuff? And Gene looks at him and goes, okay, yeah. So he just kind of stood there next to my buddy. And so my buddy got all his stuff signed. Obviously, he keeps handing his stuff. All, all out on the table, right? Right. Oh, yeah, there all, there all you the go. That's right the way here. to do it. Right to Joe on this one. <laughs> and um, and I got Gene to sign a couple more things. And then by that time, I was like, okay, where's Paul at? And Paul had gone back to his little VIP area by that point. So I was like, yeah, okay. But um, – it was really cool. I mean, I looked out and I got four signatures in total and, you know, some people probably didn't get maybe one or any, but it was, it was pretty cool. And then they had like a cover band playing that night and they played some kiss and then G and Paul came out for a check presentation that they donated a lot of the money that they made that night back into community nice. and back into, um, members of the armed forces and, and, you know, their usual standard, causes that gene you always hear about gene and paul donating to so it wouldn't like you kind of felt a little better about it that oh my 200 dollars just didn't go to to gene's bankroll i mean they they wrote some pretty substantial checks that night um to these military-based organizations which was really cool so i gotta and, ask you do you recommend yeah. this to if you know rock and brew seems to be popping up everywhere now you know they seem to have a real game plan for how they want to grow this business into a hard rock I don't want to say clone, but competitor, I think, is probably, you know, a, a bit yeah. fair. Um, do, does it? Do you think it appeals to your average Kiss fan? And is it a little weird? Do you think in the 70s they're getting mobbed by, you know, screaming kids, and now they're getting mobbed by middle-aged men with right. memorabilia? I mean... <laughs> Swing my guitar case. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I enjoy... I've been to one in Redondo Beach, L.A., and I've been the one in Kansas City prior to this one opening. And it's good. It's it's good food. I haven't had a bad meal there. And it is a lot like um, a hard rock in the sense that it, there's memorabilia on the wall. It's not a KISS restaurant. And some of the guys are like, well, I see some KISS stuff on the wall, but you know, where's all the KISS stuff in here? It's, like, well, it's, not a, it's not a KISS restaurant. And Gene and Paul are smart enough to understand that we're not going to open up a chain of KISS restaurants nation, nationwide. It's not going to be successful. Yeah. They're, they're humble enough to understand that. So, and, and even when I've been in there before, like, people are like, well, why aren't they playing KISS music all of that? It's not a KISS restaurant. They can play other music. And yeah, when I was in there, I think te- a Tears Are Falling video came on or something. You know, it, it's, it's in the road. See, it makes Julian happy. It was in the road. It's in the rotation. But it, and in and the whole time I was in there, maybe one Kiss song came on. It's not a Kiss restaurant. They did have a Kiss pinball machine in the corner, and old or new, new. No. Oh. And my my buddy Joe, he's such a <laughs> he, he's such a conniver that he went in there the night before, and he's looking at their pinball machine. He goes, you know, this thing really needs to be cleaned up. You know, I have one at home, and I collect pinball machines. I should come in here tomorrow and clean this thing up for you. So of course he's in there then the next morning cleaning the pinball machine. <laughs> Jeez, oh, a mess. <laughs> but you know, but you know, he got him, he 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 worked in himself a, a little deal with that too. But anyway, um, 
it, it's not a kiss restaurant, but it's appealing to, oh, you know, you know, like like. Like us and people who listen to this show, that's not all we listen to is Kiss. We listen to a variety of music, and for the major- majority of what we listen to is going to be hard rock and of that of the same genre as Kiss. Mm-hmm. And that's what they play in there. And and it's good food, too. So, you know, and they, they left St. Louis and they went to Oklahoma to open it to do groundbreaking for a new Rock and Brews casino yeah. in Oklahoma. So... I think that's a maybe a safe place to do some testing to right. see if they want to, you know, expand on that idea in other in other markets like a like a Tupelo, Mississippi, or a. Well, it's, it's you know what that it sounds it sounds like they already are expanding on you know what was it last year was it January or February that they did the Badlands Pawn you know and of course that went yeah. that went tits up at the end of the year when the the resolution passed in the state you know banning. Um, you know what was the interest rates over thirty six percent or something? You know that they just couldn't keep they couldn't run a business not making thirty six percent interest on you know short term yeah. loans. So you know it, it it sounds like they want to expand both of those things without necessarily getting into the pawn business, and that's pawn not porn, um, <laughs> business. <laughs> you know, sure. so you know it, it it makes sense. You know, casino. If you got some Kiss stuff around, Kiss fans will come. If you got an opening, Kiss fans will come. You know, it, it's very much business oriented. So let, let's move on from, um, you know, the kind of current affairs stuff. I, you know, thanks for sharing that with us, Lonnie, because I did. That was a good know, time. You know, it, it sounded like a blast, and you know, a, a lot of Kiss fans won't be afraid of paying a couple hundred bucks to, you know, get close and get some more. No, if you're going to pay twelve hundred for a free show meet and greet, why wouldn't you pay two hundred dollars for? For an autograph of Gene and Paul. Yep. For cool. a, a picture with Gene and Paul and a chance at a couple autographs. So it was a good time. Let's get back to Origins and Mark. You know, when's the last time you listened to Origins Volume One? And you know, where does it kind of sit for you now? Um well I listened to it not too long ago, actually. Uh I do this thing every once in a while where I kind of uh research a producer or a guy who is like a mix engineer and pull out some of the stuff that he's done and I'm kind of listening to some of this Warren Hurt guy's stuff that he's done in the past and uh, so I pulled out obviously Origins and you know Space Invader and then you know, Aerosmith Another Dimension or whatever that record is that he did there right. terrible record but I just, I'm, I just wanted to just I, I just wanted to just I like researching people's sounds for stuff because you know not to let out too much out of the bag but next Later on in the year, like near toward the end of the year, I'm thinking about doing another single, but getting somebody to maybe mix it like of somebody of that caliber, right, of that, you know, level. So I like to do a bit of research on it beforehand uh, before I commit to anything. But I, I pulled out Origins strictly because of that, and I, I didn't I didn't mind. I mean, sure, some songs are better than others, right? Um, you know, I don't think I don't think I can hear you know Wild Thing again because i think i've heard that song so many thousands of times if i hear it one more time i'm gonna gag myself but um you know there's other songs on that are you know not not too bad white room was pretty good i mean i I think overall i think it's it's sad okay with me i still like like space invader better than origins i kind of seem to like when he does his own material better than covers but uh, I think this one song off of Origins that I was kind of surprised with and 
like hearing is a uh, rock and roll hell. I think that was the one song I wasn't expecting to hear from him, and I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't it wasn't a as bad of a train wreck as people probably might have expected it to be. So yeah, it was pretty good. I I, I place it in the middle of my Ace Freely stuff. So yeah, I mean that's really cool for you to mention about recording and whatnot. I mean. Just to go off on another tangent, is what sort of person would you be looking for? Would you be looking from the Canadian point of view or from an industry point of view? I know in Canada, it's you know it's very much an at-home recording industry, isn't it? You you really celebrate the acts that make it. You celebrate the industry people who become successful and you know world renowned um yeah you know would you be looking you know specifically for a canadian or would you be looking specifically for a sound that you're looking for well i'll tell you one thing i've been in contact off and on with one guy who i've been it would be my dream full circle dream for this to happen and it almost happened once and then and then complications with scheduling happened and stuff like that but I've been wanting Terry Brown for the I was, longest I was time. Gonna, that was the name I was going to gonna throw out there. Yeah, to, to do something with me. And he's done a lot of stuff, obviously a lot of Rush stuff. He's done also yeah. stuff with, you know, with, uh, with another band I like, Fate's Warning. He's done a couple of things with them that I really liked. And he's done other things. There's another band, and the name is escaping me now, but they're a band from, I think, Detroit or something. They're a really progressive band, Tiles, that's it. And they're really good, like, you know, the typical kind of progressive thing, you know, 11 minute songs, you know, all kinds of concept stuff. And, you know, Terry Brown has a definite sound to him. You know, when you hear his stuff, it's very, very tight, very not dry, but he, he all the instrumentation, it has a good soundscape in it. And I've never heard a bad mix that Terry Brown has done. I mean, just listen to moving pictures. I mean, that that's like incredible, the mix on that, you know, and whenever you hear stuff like that, you know, you want to be involved with stuff like that, you know. And then now that Abbey Road, for example, has offered a system where you can take your mixed song, contact a, a guy, like a, like a mastering engineer there, like Sean McGee, for example, and you can contact him, send him your finished songs, and he'll master it for you. I mean, that's like a, you know, a, the perfect handshake in my world right there. A Terry Brown mix and a Sean McGee master, I'd be very happy to release that single master by mail that's yeah. that's really cool and just to go on about the recording there's a great article that um chris posted up on the faq today uh, a brief interview with ace in the san diego local press where he mentions that he's just finished building his studio in his new condo and he's about ready to start doing some recording so there you go maybe starting mm -hmm. to get ready with uh, from the sounds of what he was talking about it kind of feels more like new music rather than origins volume two um but who knows with ace you know where he wants to go with that he did also say that origins i think it shifted a hundred thousand copies or something so oh, that's or, no good. space invader pardon me so you know, space. yeah yeah cool stuff nonetheless so yeah he yeah. sounds like he's doing well and it'll be great to do some more um more music i still think he should go back and do uh finish up those demos from 84 and put them out ken where does origins fit for you now have you you listened to it at all lately or has it been sitting in it shrink wrap still <laughs> no, sealed no it's not it's not sealed no um uh i think i haven't really listened to it in general the whole thing through since it first came out but um uh 
I have heard a couple of songs on my kind of just a, a random, you know, song generation on my uh, on my uh, iTunes, right? Uh, or iTouch, uh, you know, that's on there. On that's on iTunes. So it, I hear a couple come up, uh, and you know, I don't skip them. But uh, I, I haven't gone back and you know purposely listened to the. Uh, Ace album. I think I went back and listened to Fire and Water, or, or watched the Fire and Wa- Water, you know, video uh, mm-hmm. with with him and Paula, which is, you know, it was cool. So I, I know I've gone back and watched that, uh, but otherwise the album, I, I haven't purposely gone back and, and listened to it. Yeah, and that's an interesting thing for me as well. I have not actually listened to that album since probably May, you know, soon after it came out. Listened to it plenty of times. I got very bored of shit like Street Fighting Man. Who else had covered that? I think Molly Crew had done it um, <clears throat> somewhat recently. Um, Spanish Castle Magic? No. Fire and Water didn't do it for me. That's not the sort of free track I'm into. Emerald? I love. I, I gotta say that if I'm gonna pick a standout mm-hmm. track, I agree about Rock and Roll Hell. I, um, I'm, I really do like Emerald. I like Parasites and Cold Gin, you know, re reinvented his way how he'd, he'd record it. But, you know, the kink shit, nothing. The trogs, <laughs> I don't care. You know, and Lita Ford, I can't stand. You know, the last time I bought a Lita Ford album was Dancing on the Edge, which kind of says it all. So, you know, Kiss Me Deadly, I did, never bought. I can't stand her. You know, (laughs) Joan Jett rules. Simple as that. So, you know, that is one album. Really? Really? I need a drink. (laughs) You're not impressing him, Mark. (laughs) Let me get my picture of Joan Jett out and see see who's going to win this SmackDown. So it hasn't really, I'm not going to say it hasn't stood up because it's a covers album. You know, and just mentioning Joan Jett, when's the last time I listened to the hit list? Well, 1980, what year did it come out? I mean, you, you just don't don't listen to covers albums. So let's move mm. on. Uh, Paul Stanley's Soul Station. Mm. Um, obviously, it's current news. He canceled his uh, current run of shows because he doesn't feel fully recovered for his con- from his concussion yet. Um, and that's good. I'm glad he's taking care of his health first and foremost. And, you know... Hopefully he'll get back out there and and do what he's doing. Um, You know, the three shows in Southern California, I think it's last February. You know, I've watched a few of the clips. I I think it's a good introductory primer to R&B to people who maybe know absolutely nothing about it. There's not exactly anything tremendously fantastic about it. When I think Star Child, I really just want him in grease paint, singing his ass off, doing Kiss stuff. I, I don't really want Paul Stanley to introduce me to R&B any more than I want Peter Chris to introduce me to jazz. You know, I, I know enough about people who really <laughs> do know about those topics to kind of be wanted to be taken through that if I want to get into that music. Where does Soul Station kind of sit for you? Is it something, Mark, if they came to Canada, would you be like, oh, hell yeah, I'm there? Uh, honestly, um, I, I think I would honestly skip it. I mean, I, I watched the clips of the shows that he did before, and you know, it's not terrible. I'm, it's not nothing like that. You know, he has to be ashamed about or anything like that. But it's just definitely not something that's up my alley. And just to touch on something really quickly about the whole concussion thing, I think it's a very wise thing that he's uh, 
not doing those shows and getting fully recovered because if I can just go on a little small tangent here, last week I severely like su- suffered a bad tear in my wrist and it's 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 swollen. I can hardly like bend it down right now. And if you notice what hand that is, that's this hand. And not being able to grip a guitar right now is something that kind of alarmed me for a couple of days because you know I can't remember the last time I haven't picked up a guitar. So this is this is just a little small I guess you know public service announcement that let musicians heal themselves properly because if they don't and go back too quickly before healing they could do more damage to themselves and you may not have a star child on stage period so yeah. don't don't be bitter about him canceling you know that's something he has to take care of for sure so but you know getting back to soul station i mean it's it's good i mean he doesn't sing the stuff bad i think it actually he seemed very comfortable on stage singing the material to be honest but you know it's just not something that's in my wheelhouse i guess as far as listening so yeah, it, you know, it's got to be limited consumption, and I think there's a lack of power coming through his vocals to a certain extent. Lonnie, St. Louis, you know, Soul Station. I'd go. I'd go because it's Paul. But I'd go for the single reason that it's Paul Stanley. And he owes you some autographs. Right, and, and, and maybe I can <laughs> get those two autographs that I missed out on last week. So... I'd go just because it's Paul Stanley and to support him because I've supported him and, you know, everything he's done for as long as I can remember. And I, I, and in all honesty, though, I think a Soul Station national tour, I think, would be poorly attended because (laughs) it's Paul Stanley singing Motown. It's not... Paul Stanley coming out. I mean, the Live the Wind tour wasn't exactly. I mean, he played small theaters, and but it exact wasn't. And I know it's 10, 11 years ago now, but it wasn't exactly just sold out in minutes because he's Paul Stanley's coming to town. But not only is Paul Stanley coming to town, but oh wait, he's not going to play stuff off his '78 solo album, or he's not, not going to play any Kiss stuff. He's going to do like a Motown show show tune review. Uh, I think you're more of your cat your casual Kiss fans going to skip it. And, you know, your hardcore fan like me will say, well, you know, I'll go because Paul Stanley's in, and he's in town. What else am I doing on a Wednesday night in St. Louis? So, but but at the same time, too, I don't think it's going to attract a whole lot of people that are into that style of music. Oh, Paul Stanley's coming and he's going to do my type of music. I don't, I don't think it's going to attract people that listen to that genre of music either. So I understand why he's keeping it in Southern California and not going through the expense of let's putting this, for lack of a better term, show on the road. Yeah, you got to have somewhere for Michael Bolton to go hang out, I guess. <laughs> you know, and, and you, you said the live to win thing, and yes, I guess uh, if you, it, you, you're no more likely to have a successful live to win tour than you are to have a Soul Station tour. It's just you know, not out there these days. Ken, if he comes up to the Bay Area, I, I'm gonna go. Uh, simple as that. Yeah, it's Paul Stanley. I'm not going. Wow. wow, wow. <laughs> um, it's, you know, I love Paul Stanley. And like Mark, you know, I want to, I want to hear him, you know, I want to hear him sing kiss music. Uh, that's the way he does best rock music, even, you know, um, the thing is with soul station, everything, he has to sing everything in falsetto, you know, it's just, Pretty much everything he's doing is almost falsetto, and uh, if I if I want to hear uh, you know uh, let's stay together, 
I'd rather hear it from was it Al Green, right? <laughs> Shit, uh, yeah. Or 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 if I want to hear uh, Ooh Baby Baby, I want to hear Smokey Robinson. I mean, I love that type of music. I love that older stuff. Uh, but it, I, I've watched the videos from his other concerts, and it's okay. But I'm not jumping out of my seat and saying this is the greatest thing and it's an improvement. It's not an improvement over it's it's a far cry from the original. But yeah, it's good to give some people uh, a um, a touch of Motown and, and that type of music that let them say, Hey, this you know, this is some classics from back in the seventies or or sixties too and uh, and here, you know, we're gonna try to produce them and you know, the band's good and everything. I just, I can't see it. I can't see paying to go see that, even though, you know, again, Paul Stanley is great, but he's great as the ringleader of Kiss, and that's what I wanted to see him next time I see him. Now, I would be down for a Paul Stanley Origins Volume 1 album as long as there was only mm. one R&B track. You know, because when I think about Paul Stanley, yeah. the music that he's talked about so many times in interviews has always been stuff that falls far closer to kind of the prism that we'd expect out of Kiss. You know, the free, the Albert King. Well, obviously, we you just go listen to Love Gun and you got Albert King. Um, you know, yes. I, I would like to hear a bit more of kind of, you know, Paul to pick 12 or 14 kind of more rock tracks that really means something to him and for him to pen an essay for each one of them. And you just know he wasn't growing up listening to R&B. That just is simply not what we know from his book, you know, even if he has an appreciation for the music. So, you know, as far as Soul Station goes, if he came to the Bay Area, yeah, I'd go because it's Paul going and I'd want to support him. He's not about to educate me about R&B. Simple as that, you know mainly because I'm not educated and I really just don't have that much desire other than what I already know about. You know, I, I know mm-hmm. plenty of R&B music and I'm, I'm yeah. cool cool with what I know. I, I don't have the itch to dig in any deeper than what I know. And you know what that is? It's probably the top 40 of R&B, just like rock and roll for that you hear on the radio. For anyone else tuning in, they're like, oh, I know that. Yeah, oh, I'm like that with the R&B stuff I know, so... I don't. I don't need to get educated by Paul Stanley, um, but I'm happy he's doing it. it you know, it obviously, it, it brings him pleasure, and that's more important than anything else. That he's getting out sure. there, getting his kicks. But you know, obviously, our, our little panel here has had you know some pretty you know interesting views on it. Let's move on to uh, Kiss. Kiss hit the road last year. And I got to say, as I was thinking back through what they did, they hit the road with Caleb Johnson. Right. And later the Dead Daisies. And that just kind of sums it up for me. You know, number one, it was minor markets. No offense to you people out there. I've said it before. You live where you live, and I'm glad they went to to see you. They didn't come anywhere near me. Um, So I'm just obviously bitter. But, you know, it, it... the opening acts there and and you can understand them not doing a good package because they're going to kind of like where the market doesn't support or necessarily uh, require them to have someone of a greater stature than what was he american idol winner 
Caleb yeah. Johnson. I just, just Caleb. it doesn't roll off the tongue any easier than saying Queen with Adam, Adam Lambert. It's just Kiss with Caleb Johnson. It's just so mediocre. I mean, get a fucking stage name. Come on. Um, so, I, I was, I was unimpressed by the tour. I, I thought the set was a good kind of middling greatest hit set for what they're doing they haven't been a lot of these places for a long time we've made the argument over and over and over that yes when you go to a show and they play that shit that everyone is just you know kind of they recognize that it's it's you know friendly familiar and safe and when they play something a little bit deeper the audience goes dead it's like twilight zone or something so I, I just don't think that there was that much effort put into it. And that might be because of the European tour being cancelled earlier in the year. That was cancelled in February. It was supposed to kick off late April. So, I haven't listened to any bootlegs. I downloaded all these torrents from the tour, and I just couldn't be bothered. I wasn't inspired. I didn't care. You know, where's that tour? Mark, I mean, any interest whatsoever? I mean, did you look back at the Freedom to Rock and go, Oh, yeah! Or was it whatever? <laughs> well, honestly, I mean, this is the thing that I found interesting about that tour, is that it started off with a lot of hoopla. Like, I know we were talking about it on the podcast. We were all preparing for it. How's it going to go? We reviewed the first show that they did. You know, we were a little worried because Paul was sounding a little rough there and stuff like that. And then we were, you know, hoping that it was going to get better. And it did get better. I thought that he performed better as time went on but the thing about this tour that i thought that was interesting is that after a few days or let me let me be nicer after about a couple like a week or two there was very little fanfare like i didn't hear much about this tour at all it was just like oh kiss played last night i saw on the board that they played here and that was about it there's not there was no I didn't sense any sort of excitement as the tour went on about stuff happening. Like, you know, when they were, when they did the reunion tour, I'm I'm not trying to compare those two, but like when they did other tours, I know that there was always some excitement about it. And there was always more, I found that I had more of a craving to follow it and to do stuff like that. And I, I'm just finding that maybe they're just getting near the end altogether, maybe. And they're just, just doing it now just for, I don't know, for just to, just to do it and to get some, uh, commitments done and just to go to see some markets that they hadn't played in a long time but i mean to, to make another example i mean king crimson have been touring now since 2015 and every time they've been out on tour i've been like super excited and they haven't been here in like two years i saw them when they came to canada like to toronto and i, I loved it it was the best 220 dollars i've ever spent in my life but but it was, but but no, I was fifth row. That was fifth row, and it was amazing. Like I, I was almost in tears when they started the the set with Lark's Tongue Part One. I was like, oh my god, it was like amazing. Like you know, but the thing that I love about what they do on their tour, for example, is they promised the fans that they would put up a soundboard recording of at least one song from every single show they did on their tour, and they did it. And on their, you go to their site, they have. The, the quality of it is so good I made myself a little live album out of it from all the songs that they did and they're never repeated always different songs from the set list and you can make your own live record out of that tour and it's phenomenal the quality is brilliant 
they played a good like i wish kiss would do stuff like that again you know like give something to make the tour exciting again i mean i just thought that i just found that my attention to the to that tour really just went out the window after about a week or so they didn't do anything to keep my interest in it you know whereas bands like that do stuff like that that keep me totally interested you know 220 bucks i mean oh my god I'm just looking back at my first ever concert ticket, and it's I've just had my, what is it, 30th anniversary, because I went to my first show in January 1987, David Lee Roth with uh, Tesla opening, and I missed Tesla because I had a girlfriend, and yeah, I was six, how old was I, 15? Wow, wow, wow. And I, I, think it, I think it was like 10 bucks, and now we're up to 220, <clears throat> and you know, that's not front row. I mean, shit. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, I, I just got to do this, Mark, because it, it's in with my ticket stubs that I haven't <laughs> eBayed. So, let's see if I can. Yeah, there we go. Joan Jet. Yeah. Oh. Screw there you. we go. <laughs> National Stadium, Singapore. <laughs> so, first rock, real rock concert there. Um, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's. It's it's weird when you compare what Kiss is doing to what other bands are doing. And I think Mitch Lafon posted a shot of Bon Jovi's <clears throat> latest set list today <clears throat> on Facebook, and all I could think was, "Holy fuck! I'm glad I'm not at that show," because you know what? <clears throat> I I would take Kiss's greatest hit set over maybe I'm just not <clears throat> enough a, a Bon Jovi fan to want to hear all that new country shit. It's a lot of new mm. stuff. It's too much, you know. <clears throat> it, it's kind of losing the plot and torturing your audience when. You know, was Runaway not even in there? I, I think it wasn't. I don't know. think so. Oh, really? No, no. No. No in and out of love. Um, a lot of good stuff what? missing from Slippery. And it was, you know, there was highways and houses. Uh, and, yeah, so. Plus this mess and like, what? It, you can play one or two. You can play one. And <laughs> the Kiss is, what Kiss has done is, that, you know, you can play one or two off your new album. But... If, if if someone in the audience hasn't bought your new album yet, but they have bought a ticket to come see it, but they haven't bought your new album yet, playing four or five songs isn't going to convince them to go buy your new album. And you're making more off the ticket. Yeah. Correct. It's very it's very it's 90s Bowie of them. It's very 90s Bowie of them. I remember when he used to come out in the 90s, like, I don't want to play any of my old material anymore. And he would just do only new stuff. It's like, oh my god, like, no... Nothing like from like you know Ziggy or any of those records. I only want to do my outside album. It's like oh no, you know like it's he got you know when people get into that phase, I don't know what what they're, what they're thinking. Like Iron Maiden did that. They did one tour where they played their the whole of their new record, and then for the encore they played like How Would Be Thy Name and you know Iron Maiden is like oh my god, like the whole audience was like shell shocked. That know? was a, that was a matter of life and death tour, and I thought yeah. that was fucking awesome that they did that. But it was it was a it was a whole dead. <laughs> you guys are not on the same page with it. <laughs> oh, we are not. We, you know, no, you know this is progressive on a different note. You know, King Crimson versus Iron Maiden. I mean, Maiden's pretty oh, yeah. proggy, and they've become very even more proggy in recent years. But you know, mm. I'm gonna go see them when they come out here in July with ghost opening just because i want to see ghost and mm-hmm. I, but i do hope that they don't fucking play book of souls in its entirety because that's yeah 90, that's 90 <laughs> minutes on its own and empire of the clouds or whatever that 18 minute abomination yeah. is yeah. no i don't want to hear it 
you know, all of a sudden it makes Kiss, you know, perspective. You know, Lonnie, <laughs> greatest hits aren't so bad when you're a little bit no. more of a casual fan looking in, are they? No, um, they're they're not. And, and I guess, you know, we spend a lot of time here on the show or on the FAQ or on Facebook or whatever complaining about the Kiss set list and how I don't need to hear Look It Up. I don't need to hear I Love It Live. But I don't need to hear five songs off your new album. I I just, especially when you've been around for as long as, you know, we're, we're using Bon Jovi as an example, as long as Bon Jovi has as many even radio-friendly hits that they've had over the years, too. I don't need to hear five songs off your new album, or however many it was. I'm just spitballing on what, however songs it was, because I looked at it this morning. But going back to what Kiss did on the tour, you know, they played a pretty safe and a pretty what you would have would what you would have expected set list on the Freedom the Rock tour. Granted they did play Flaming Youth, they've kind of gotten into the habit the last few tours of throwing one gem out there or one rarity if you want to call it out there for the hardcore fans. You know like on the Def Leppard tour they did Hide Your Heart, which was new. They hadn't played that on a tour since the Hot in the Shade tour. So it was it was cool to hear that. And obviously, Flaming Youth, I hadn't played since 76. And I know you can look this stuff up on Google or whatever. I'm sorry to bore the audience. But, you know, it's it's the truth. So, but 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 the other side, like Mark, going back to what Mark was saying, that, yeah, well the, when they played their first show or two, you know, I was anxious to get up in the morning or, or kind of follow it live online to see what the set list was. But after a week or two, well, I guess this is the set list every night because nothing's changing. And, you know, Mark made the comparison to to the reunion tour. And no, we're not going to compare it to the reunion tour. We don't have have to compare that. You can even compare it to Rock the Nation Nation in 04. I was excited every day to get up or, you know, follow it that night to see – because they would always throw in a, a different rare song every night. I go, what, what are they going to play tonight? What are they going to play tonight? And I remember the show that I went to here, it got to that point in the show, and I was like, all right, what's it going to be? What's it going to be? What are they going to play? So there, there was a reason to follow it and, and or make you want to go to make you want to go to multiple shows because, well, who knows what, what they'll play. Maybe they'll play all the way at the show I go to, or maybe they'll play Lover All I Can at the show that I go to. And, but there wasn't any of that. And even in 2009, when they did the tour of the United of North America, it wasn't the same set list every night. Because you remember, they started in Detroit and they played like that Alive 35 set list. Then they came back out and did a couple of news and they did Modern Day Delilah and I Was Made for Loving You, maybe or Detroit Rock City and things like that. And as the tour went on, it kind of morphed a little bit and they changed up the set list as they went. And it got to the point where they're playing say yeah and modern day delilah on that tour and they had dropped some songs off that alive 35 set list like come on and love me all of a sudden was gone and they kind of did some rearranging but there wasn't any of that um on this tour it was the same set list every night uh, became very predictable and like what mark was saying too is like oh yeah kiss played last night i but it wasn't like oh i can't wait this to yeah. see what happened because I already know what happened and I get it. They are, they're, you know, in their, in their late sixties, they're 
and things aren't going to be, think, and it isn't 2040 more. It isn't 1996 anymore. But they, they didn't suck you in like they have in the past on, on tours, is what I'll say. Hmm. Yeah. Ken, since we've ignored you for a little while. That's all right. I'm, I'm listening <laughs> intently. Um, well, I kind of understand now more, I, I think, why KISS does the set list that they do. It's for those, you know, the casual fan. And it's just, that's the main reason they do it. So we're lucky if they throw in a new, throw us a bone every now and then like Flaming Youth or, or maybe something else, Cold Gin or I, I don't know, uh, or Strutter, um, something they throw in just just every now and then just to keep the, uh, you know, the Big Kiss fans a little bit, you know, somewhat satisfied. Um, at least I think that on this last tour they tried a little bit of that. Um, or we, well, it I guess they played Flaming Youth over and over, but at least it was a song that was never in the set list uh, for however many years. Uh, so I understand it. And uh, the thing is, though, uh, yeah, they didn't, like, like Julian said, they didn't come around this area over here anywhere near. And uh, it was kind of a bummer from that standpoint. Uh, but, you know, I'll just have to wait, and hopefully they'll be back maybe next summer or this fall, or, I or, hope. Or fall, or summer into fall, I'm thinking. I'm hoping. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, that Europe tour that was announced for this year has not expanded. I was expecting, you know, a few additional dates to pop up here and there, hopefully giving me a reason to fly. Um, but it's not. It, it's, I, you know, so obviously it's what they want it to be or all they can have it be. It doesn't really matter. I mean, looking back to last year and the live performances, you know, I, I think they they totally killed it in terms of flaming youth because they also now have us thinking along the lines of, well, hide your hearts an acceptable deep cut. Tears are falling is an acceptable deep cut, you know, ladies room, you know, strutter, you know, that we, we will now accept those. I'm st- not accepting strutter as a deep cut. Strutter. You know, <laughs> parasite, you know, we're so desperate for something different and away from what has now been kind of distilled down to a a 16 song set and yeah i understand again with age comes you know a a need to take it a bit easier night after night and not go through you know a, a tremendously long set you know but come on this band never did tremendously long sets until you know probably revenge tour maybe hot in the shade you know, before then, it's basically 75, 80 minutes, you know, and fuck how, pla- how fast they played in the 80s. That show was over in a flash, I'm sure, <laughs> says the guy who never made it to any show in the 1980s. Yes, um, it's like that. So, you know, now we're back to the shorter sets. You know, if they're only going to throw one song in, then they absolutely hit it out of the park with Flaming Youth. They also totally hit it out of the park when they went on the cruise and did the Creatures theme and threw in i'm gonna call it just one song you know putting wouldn't you like to know me a song never performed by kiss keep me coming had been creatures of the night had been rock and roll hell had been and radioactive had been all performed by kiss but you know there's one song again that had never been done they absolutely nailed it the little mini 
you know, tank stage, the costumes. And, you know, I got to applaud them. They kept those costumes for the additional dates afterwards. And for that one show yeah. in Mexico, at least, they kept the set list, which, I, you know, absolutely stunned me when the first reports came in from that show that they had actually stayed very close to that set. I think they threw I Was Made For Loving You in because it had been such a massive hit in Mexico. Um, and, and I'm talking about, uh, I think, Monterey was the uh, the festival mm -hmm. with Twisted Sister. You know, so that was absolutely stunning. And musically, that was a high point for me. Because after we get through the Freedom to Rock tour, which, you know, it, it was okay. It, I, I'm going to call it mediocre on a Kiss level. You know, they were like talking, Paul Stanley reviewing a Kiss album. You know, well, it's a great album. It's just not a great Kiss album. Well, it's a great tour, just not a great Kiss tour. Um you know, the Mexico stuff is, is probably the coolest to see them outside of the, the boat where you pay a premium. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of the people who went on the cruise were pissed that they did that at a festival, something that they yeah, had paid, kind, kind of paid exclusively. Sure. But, you know, I'm going to give props to Kiss in 2016 for performing as creatures. Ken, what did that do for you as the guy who saw three shows? Yeah, well, I thought it was very cool that they, you know, would brought back the the costumes first of all, um, and then you know played more cuts off of creatures, you know. Um, so that was very cool, and plus the, their attempt, you know, at, at the the tank stage, which was, you know, it's like you said, it's a mini version, and uh, that's one of my or could be my favorite, you know, live makeup. Uh, tour for Kiss, that Creatures tour, uh, back in the you know early '80s. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was cool. Uh, it's just kind of, I think it was cool for the people that didn't get to see Kiss uh, with a, a tank stage and and do you know and see those costumes. I think those costumes are much better than the their you know monster costumes. They're just they, they just work much better. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's less flash on them or whatever. It, it's just better. So, yeah, it, it, I thought it was very cool that they did that for the fans. Excellent. I, I want to ask you one question about the Creature Store because I've been reading some stuff from like the Asylum, some reviews from the Asylum era, and you know, a lot mm -hmm. of them are mentioning that you know, there's lots of lights, lots of flash, but the pyro. It seems to happen right at the beginning of the show and right at the end of the show. How was it during the Creatures tour? Was Pyro and that tank, was it smoking and kind of getting used throughout the show? And were there concussions and, you know, f flash pots going off throughout the show? Or was it basically at the beginning through Creatures, you have a bombastic intro, and then at the end you have yeah. the, the, the culmination? I think it was mostly the beginning and the end, and then they they did you know some stuff uh, during the you know Eric Carr's uh, drum solo. Um, he had that stuff going there. The, the it was smoke coming out of the the you know the pipes, the exhaust pipes, the exhaust pipes on the yeah. side, and then also I think he might have even made up you know the you know a sound or whatever coming out of the turret i can't remember for sure but uh, i'm pretty sure that they used all of it for that i know it moved uh you know the turret moved and and when he was doing the drum solo so uh, i'm pretty sure that's sounds about right because uh, the rest of the show they pretty much just rocked the heck out of the stage and was there was a lot of movement going on 
on the stage with them. Um, I even remember at the end of one of them where Paul Stanley actually went on back on, uh, on Gene Simmons' shoulders. He was on Gene Simmons' shoulders. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I believe the shoulder or piggyback, right? But I think it was the shoulder. But uh, I know he had him on on his back for sure. Uh, it was around the end of the show. Um, I think I even have a picture of that somewhere. I have to dig it out. Very, very ACDC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, maybe they were kind of going for that. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was just the show itself of them, their energy and the music was – you didn't need all that pyro. You didn't need it going off every song, you know, and, and were a ton of times during the songs like they, they do today. They do a lot of, you know, every song is going to have pyro or a blast or fire or something going on pretty much uh, these days. Yeah, very cool. That's why we need a Pro Shot Creatures tour show. Mark. Oh, for sure. Creatures work for you as a theme? Yeah, I mean, I remember when they announced it. Uh, that they're going to do it on the cruise there. I was uh, I was very excited for the people that were going to be going for it because, I mean, the year before they did the Alive one, which I thought was sort of a cop-out one because they pretty much play Alive every night, like in concert, if you think about it. They're playing most of those songs anyways, right? Um, but I think Creatures, Creatures was uh, something that got me excited. And see, this is what I'm talking about from before that got me excited that got my attention that made me want to go and look on their site to see what was going on because as a as a young fan when i back in the day when i started going to like those conventions and stuff one of my very first vhs uh, concerts that i ever got was uh the creatures of the night montreal show and i remember bringing that home and like i was like wow like watching it because i never saw you know that the tank stage and stuff like that before and i thought it was like phenomenal and it was such a you know amazing show and i was always into creatures and then creatures became one of my you know favorite records later on and then as i became more into gone into the music business more and started getting into production and stuff like that creatures again became a favorite of mine because of how it was engineered and i just over analyzed that record to death sometimes like what do they do for the reverb here how did they gate the drums like that how, you know reading articles everywhere you know about them putting speakers in the bathroom to get that certain echo in certain spots mm. like i just went like whoosh, like off the rails like trying to learn about that stuff because of that album so whenever i hear something about creatures that immediately pricks my ears up and gets my attention and then when they start started showing like the you know they, they showed the picture with them with those outfits like a few months before they did the the cruise right so i was like wow look at that they're you know they're using the uh the one piece jumper there for tommy there with the lightning bolt you yeah. know like I was surprised that they went to that extreme with it. I mean, Paul even had the raccoon tail there. You know, that's like attention to detail, right? So, I mean, I I, I liked it. I thought it was a a good theme. My only negative point is that I wasn't able to go on the cruise. That's the only bad thing I can say. But I wish I would have went because that setlist was fantastic, and I was I was overjoyed when I saw them do. Not only you know, wouldn't you like to know me? But I loved that they did you know um radioactive that i thought they did that really well on stage i was like wow like i just have nothing bad to say about that no it, it you know it, it sounded good radioactive obviously is a standout as well you know for this lineup to have performed so you know kiss crew seven i think they've started booking for um i don't think they've announced a theme yet for that so that'll probably be something to look out this year 
going back to 2016, I think what stands out is probably got to be the most obvious thing, and it's Kiss Rocks Vegas being released. Um, we did an episode on that, and I kind of, you know, just said how much it meant to me because I was there. I got to experience it, and then to have a release, I guess it's for the people, you know, kind of like those guys who went to the, you know, Live 2, you know, or to the Revenge Store for a Live 3, that here is kind of your souvenir from that experience in, in some ways. Um, I've listened to Rocks Vegas quite a few times last year. I'm surprised how many times I actually did listen to the whole thing, including the acoustic. I was pretty sure that it wasn't going to hold a candle, and it doesn't, to the 1996 MTV Unplugged release. Um, it, it's just so that's just so burned on my brain. But the the live album and how they've they presented it, I just find incredibly endearing. I'm surprised by how many times I've listened to it. It's one that I thought that I would, you know, purchase, listen to a few times, and it would go on the shelf with the rest of them. I actually had to go out and buy the little DVD CD pack, you know, so that it would fit in with the rest of the CDs in the collection. It felt there was like there was a space missing. I had no intention on doing that, <laughs> you know, after getting the LP, and I think I ended up with one copy of the LP, two copies of the, you know, the UK and the American Deluxe Edition. Um, but it, it, it's really it brings back happy memories, and I think they presented such an honest document of it, even with a couple little things here and there that are obviously corrected or masked in a way. That I, I'm amazed. Symphony's never been played since 2003, never will be, but this one has been a lot, so that's kind of odd. Lonnie, how does Rocks Vegas uh, sit with you nowadays? I agree with you, actually. I listened to it this morning when I ran. Um, but I wanted to listen to this morning. So, I mean, I've I've revisited it quite a bit. Um, and to your point, Julian, I when I bought it, I thought the same thing that uh eh, I'll get it because it, you know, obviously I, I went to a couple of Vegas shows, I want to have it, it's a kiss release. And I thought that well, it'll probably end up on my shelf like like some of those um, instant lives did. That well, it's a good recording. But how often am I really going to go back and listen to Kiss in San Antonio, Texas from 2004? Eh, probably not that much. But I have gone back to it, and, I, and it's, I've surprised myself with, with that, oh, hey, you know what? I want to listen to that again because I, I really like the way Parasite sounded. And I really, you know, like the way, you know, certain songs are the way they're tied in together. And, I, and it's just... It, it, to what Julian was saying, it's a great memento from the experience that I had there as well. So, and and it's great. It really is. the The, the audio on there is 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 crisp. It's clean. They sound really good, and I still enjoy it. So, I, I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, I I praise it when we did the review of it back in August when it came out, and I'll still praise it today. It's it stands up actually, and no, I, I don't think I've ever said when I go for a run in the morning, I want to listen to the symphony show. So, <laughs> unless, you, unless, unless you ought to be running from something. Right. And I cramp up or something and you're like, oh. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not breathing right here. So, um, I've enjoyed it. And, and I've just echo what Julian said. I've, I've, I've surprised myself that I've gone back to it as much as I have. Bravo, Kiss. Ken, how about you? Where does it kind of sit with you these days? 
I think more so the um, the video, the Blu-ray. Uh, I've gone back to that and, and watched that a bit. Um, I enjoy it from that standpoint. I, I mean, it's, it just looks so darn crystal clear on, yeah. on Blu-ray. It just looks it's great. Um, and actually, I, I, I want to say it sounds better uh, coming out of my TV than it does on vinyl. Um, cause I, I, I thought the vinyl was okay sounding, uh, but, and I think it's possible cause I don't know if I heard this, that it was, you know, it was, uh, converted from digital to vinyl, which is a little different. And Mark, maybe Mark knows more about that, what happened with that. But, uh, that's why I went to the video, uh, but not a lot, but a little bit here and there. If you nice. watch that, if you watch that Blu-ray on a 4K TV, I mean, it just looks incredible. I mean, they did the the, the Blu-ray itself is just absolutely phenomenal. How crisp that thing looks, and they did a fantastic. I mean, I know it took it looks what, great a year and a half for it to come out since the show, but it's worth the wait. It's fantastic. So, yeah. so when they finally resurrect the Alive Two theme for the 40th anniversary which obviously is 1977, so that is now. So that means Kiss will do it in 2019. Um, <laughs> this like, math is a little off. Yeah, so, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be close. I would just love for them to do the same sort of treatment that they did with Kiss Rocks Vegas. They had the right camera angles. They had the right kind of speed of edits. It wasn't giving me seizures like Rock the Nation, which will yeah. never be played again for me. Wow. You know, that and Symphony, those two are complete and utter duds for my brain. I just cannot watch either of them. I can't, I can't watch. Symphony's worse than Rock the Nation. Symphony's dreadful. I, oh, I mean, my gosh. It, it, it's just garbage. It, it, You know, and if you like it, fine. I don't. You know, I, I don't really like broccoli either. You know, it's not, it's nothing worth discussing. You know, I do not like it. But my critical, you know, kind of appraisal of it is that the edits are just too jumpy. They're like all over the place. They're seizure inducing. They're just like a freaking strobe light. So I don't like it. I don't like Rock of the Nation. But they absolutely nailed the clarity um, maybe it's modern technology really captured it. So it's so vivid, it drags you in. And I don't have a 4K TV. Um, you know, mine's more like a CGA screen compared to that. So for those of you who know what CGA is, um, yeah, VGA. <laughs> yeah, well, well before that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would love, I would love for them to revisit kind of the little, 77, little. 78 tour. You want to watch it on on a 4K TV? Come on over the night. We we can we can sit on the couch together and watch it. Yeah, we'll be right over. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll be I'll be sleeping. Sorry. Yeah, not watching not watching any kids. Mark, what about you? I mean, you, you speak a language from the studio, so you can you can address the Sonics um, visually and also in, in terms of its content. How does it do for you, looking back? Um, again, like you guys, I was kind of surprised actually about how much this stayed in rotation for me after it came out. I, I really liked it. I got the uh, obviously the vinyl DVD version. But like I said, when we reviewed it, my only quirk with that release was that <coughs> damn DVD that damn DVD that was sitting in there because I knew that because they didn't put it in a separate case, 
you know, you take it out and you have nothing to put it in. Now, I'm not going to keep putting it back in there, putting the record back. Take it, if I want to watch the video, because I'm a big video person. I like watching, like Ken. I like probably watch the, the concert video more than I listen to the album itself. So, of course, to remedy that, I went out and bought the Blu-ray version so that I could just watch it from there instead of having to drag it out all the time from there. You, for the, you are what they wanted. They got you. Yeah. They made you buy it twice, Mark. Well, because I wanted the vinyl, right? I wanted to buy the vinyl. <laughs> And for me, the vinyl part of it, I thought they did pretty good. I know what you guys are talking about as far as the the digital, uh, the pressing from a digital source. Now, probably because the Blu-ray audio part of it had to be a digital source. Mm. Now, either they probably took the audio source from the same source and used that and burned the lacquer to make the album from that source. Now... It's not exactly bad to do that, but you have to be very careful when you do that because those lacquering needles, when they make the lacquer there from the uh, machine there, they really don't like anything over 15,000 K there. It starts to really heat up the needle. So, and, and, and as we all know, Blu-ray audio is spectrally you know, fantastic. <laughs> so they probably had to for sure do some sort of alteration EQ-wise to the audio from there because there's no way they could have used it as is it would have just completely fried the lacquer with that right so <laughs> one big so, one gouge yeah <laughs> yeah they <laughs> I mean, like, melted the whole thing probably but th- that's probably why there is maybe in some people's ears issues to it you know but i think overall it still sounds pretty good i mean there are definitely other records that i heard that sound a lot worse like when you have these situations where people take a CD and burn a lacquer off of a CD copy of a record, that's just, oh god, like those albums <laughs> sound brutal, you know? But I think overall it sounds pretty good. The video part of it, I agree with everybody, it looks fantastic. And luckily because the last year or so I'd have bought myself a better television finally, a nice LG TV. So it looked really great, you know? And, you know, having decent stereo speakers now, you know, in the the room with it helps a lot because the like I said the audio on the Blu-ray is what I was really impressed with because I'm really into the whole you know Blu-ray 24-bit audio now you know looking into that and the dynamics behind it and how to make a how to make a great sounding 24-bit even for my own material right so um, it's it's really well done I mean I, I'll I'll recommend the Blu-ray every day and Sunday to people to buy it if you have a good system because it sounds good it looks good you know and you know the vinyl it it sounds good and for different people with different stereos it's going to sound different if you have a shitty crosley little crappy turntable yeah sure it might not sound too great but if you have a you know some really high end you know new mark you know system or something then maybe it might sound considerably better or maybe it might show some of the limitations a bit more but you know i have a kind of middle of the road old style tube a turntable combination system to my father for me you know before he passed away he he had fixed for me and it's total 70s this thing but i love it there's something about the sound of it because even when i turn it on it does that little like crackle in it because it's so tubish you know and stuff (laughs) but it's but it sounds but you know what when i put on those 70s pressing kiss records it sounds unbelievable on that Mm -hmm. stereo I can't even explain to you the difference between listening on that stereo than a you know newer one you know, but it's 
for my money, I think that there's nothing there's nothing I would knock about the the Vegas package. I like it. I think the the vinyl turned out good. Sure. If they would have did a separate recording to let's say a, a two track machine live on spot, then maybe they could have made a better vinyl, you know, mm-hmm. transfer for it. But I don't think there's anything there that Joe Average can sit there and say no. I I think they're a little something's wrong in the 8K region there. You know, I don't yeah. think anyone's gonna pick up on saying that. that. It, it is, <laughs> yeah. Joe Average is doing what I'm doing. Yeah. yeah well, <laughs> Very <laughs> You know, so I think that I think that it's a good it's a good package. Most importantly, I think for people is that as long as it really looks good, they're into it, they're interested, they want to watch it, right? And I think they did a brilliant job with that. And again, with even with that series of shows, I know I was interested. I was on online checking out what was going on when they showed the helicopter footage and stuff like that. They did they really promoted it well, and that's again the kind of thing that they should keep in mind next time. You know, keep people's interest in there, do little things that keep people. Interesting. Keep yourself in the news, and then people will follow it, and it'll be a better result. I'd love for them to do another residency. That'd be one of the things. So those mm-hmm. those are some of the things. Looking back at 2016, I guess those are the main ones. Let's you know before we wrap up today, talk about some of the things that we'd still hope to see from the band or former members this year. Um, you know, we're we're now at the end of January, and. All we have so far to look forward to is obviously Kiss Cruise 7. I'm not going. Um, so all of you people who are getting your reservations now, enjoy. Look forward to those reports again this year. But it's just one of those things. I can't take the time out to go and do that, uh, unfortunately. Um, they've also announced the European tour. I don't know what's going on with that. I, don't, I haven't heard any rumors or anything about what they might be doing in terms of theme, um, in terms of sets. But, you know, they haven't been to Europe in a few years, so I'm, my expectations are not particularly great. I wouldn't be surprised if it's kind of similar to Freedom to Rock, that they throw a single bone out there for the diehards to drool about, and the rest of it's kind of, you know, standard. What do we want musically? <clears throat> I, I, I think people keep kind of saying new album. I don't see it happening in 2017, even if they start now. Simple as that. It just takes Kiss so long to do anything. They're kind of like a dinosaur in terms of the nervous system is so slow that the animal didn't know it was dead until after it had already died. So Kiss doesn't really get around to doing anything because they just don't, you know, kind of like have any urgency. They don't see the end is nigh. They just... I might do an album, Gene says, oh, there's not a business model. And then Ace Frehley <laughs> pops into my head with his profit and loss statement. Um, so there might be new Kiss music. I want to see new music from Bruce this year. It's mm. been... It's been a while since BK3. Yeah, seven years since BK3. That's far oh, really? too long. I'm I enjoyed sure. that. that was yeah, great BK3 was incredible, and I would very much like more. But... I was listening to Union today, all of the albums, and it's still vibrant. I can't believe how well that actually holds up for me, especially the first album, because Blue Room's you know, a sack of shit, really. Uh, it's just not as well-developed. It's not as well lyrically structured. It's kind of too throwaway. It's too simple. You know, do your own thing. Just you know, compared to Let It Flow does not compare. It's just it's just wrong to even go there. I would like to see, because Krabby doesn't seem to be doing a whole hell of a lot, him working with Bruce again. 
and I, I don't really know if that's going to happen. I know he's done some work with Mick Mars, so I'm almost hoping he doesn't do anything with Bruce because he's, you know, doing mm. MC94 Part 2 with Mick, and yeah. maybe maybe a real, you he's know, fine too. yeah, he's singing, which, you know, would be very fun. But Bruce, you know, going to see him at the Expo on Saturday, and that would be something, Bruce, have you been working on any music? You know, where? what are you doing? He, he shared a few things that he's done with Lisa musically, so that whets my appetite. That's my one thing this year, new music from Bruce. Ace, I'm going to see him next week. Uh, and I don't see him having any music ready this year. Meredith, I give up, you know. I would, I would love Vinny to pop up with a release on iTunes, just like he did with, you know, Euphoria's up there. You know, throw something archival, even if it's a freaking soundboard of Invasion from either tour. I mean, I, I would take that in a moment. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and when I'm mentioning, you know, Bruce being at the Expo, you know, and White Tiger manager and David Donato are going to be there. I would love for them and that's David and maybe uh, Mark St. John's estate to put out the second white tiger album demos, put them up on iTunes. I know the I, I missed the cassette when it sold on uh, eBay a few years ago, the demo. I would love to hear that stuff this year. So musically, those are kind of my dreams kiss, you know, if they do tour great in the States, hopefully they'll come my way. Lonnie, what about you? What do you want out of 2017? I like your idea about Bruce Kulik doing something because I think, thoroughly enjoyed bk3 i listened when that came out i listened to that non-stop that my neighbors probably got tired of hearing it i cranked it up so much and listened to it so much i really enjoyed the hell out of that and and i just really enjoyed bruce in general um not only on a musician standpoint but on a personal standpoint too he's just he couldn't be more genuine human being than bruce Kulik. like I, I don't know if i've met anyone more genuine than him. Um, I'm with you that I, I just don't see anything from Ace. I don't see Peter's rock album miraculously appearing this year either. Um, Kiss, I, I, I'm not going to get my hopes up and I don't really see it happen. I know Paul mentioned that a show um, right before the cruise that they wanted to do an album in their downtime. I well, it's it's downtime right now, and Paul's out skiing, and unfortunately got a concussion. I we're not hearing anything about any kind of music being recorded or any kind of studio time being booked. All we've heard is Gene saying there's not a market to record a Kiss album. So honestly, I don't see it happening. I I see us getting some kind of release from Kiss this year, whether it be a deluxe package of some sort, but. I don't see new music. So what I'm look what I'm looking forward to, I think the most in 2017 is is um, is the European tour. I want to see what their stage looks like. Are they gonna they're gonna wear the creatures outfits apparently? Let's recreate a full size creature stage. That'd be that'd be something to get excited about and something the that would make you go look for YouTube clips the next morning. So. Especially, That's what I'd like especially if they had camera work like Rock M ring the other year. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, imagine that on a creature fan, stage. Imagine if you got like a pro shot looking DVD like that or a pro shot show of them in a creature's tour 
stage proper and those outfits be incredible. That'd be something to look forward to. In 2020. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, what about you? What would you love to see out of Kiss or any of the related artists this year? Well, definitely. I agree with you also about uh, Bruce. Uh, you know, BK3 for me is kind of like, to me, it's like a revenge too. Uh, just the, the production, the way he, he shreds on that, on that album. Um, so that's how I look at that album. And, and I do love that one. So, yeah, I hope he does another one. And if it's anything near that, it, it should be great. Um, as for uh, Ace, I think he could throw get an album out by the end of the year. I really do. I think he could do it. Because I know he's been, uh, I believe he has written songs, a bunch of songs already from interviews I've seen. So um, I think he'll get one out by the end of the year just saying that's my prediction i guess for that uh as for kiss i i'm hoping gene is doing this uh, bait and switch on us and kind of doing one of those things where you know he's saying no he's not going to record or you know doesn't want to do an album and, but then all of a sudden hey wait a minute they're, they're announced they're going to do it you know have an album out by then you know fall or something like that i would love to see them have an album out um i hope they do i actually hope they somehow pull off and get an album out for a late summer fall tour uh, in the U.S. somehow and and promote that. Um, I, I'm just hoping it's you know I guess it's a it's a big hope, but uh, uh, that's what I'd like to see happen with with Kiss, and I'd like to be hopefully they come out our way here this time and and uh, so we can see them now. Uh, otherwise, uh, for Kiss, you know, the cruise thing, I, I don't know. I, I'm, again, I'm not going, I don't think, this time either. Um, but I, I'm guessing they might do a 77-type theme, whether it's Love Gun or Alive 2. I mean, t- that's kind of an obvious thing, as we said, but they'll probably do something else uh, crazy that's... Crazy totally Nights theme. Oh, crazy! Oh, thirtieth anniversary yeah. of Crazy Night. So this year we're going to get the deluxe edition, which will uh, have <laughs> yeah. will have that uh, oh, legendary. No, no, Are you always no. this hot? So yeah, plus a soundboard from the I'd tour. like to see. <laughs> I'd like to see some also uh, some special releases, you know, packages of of you know special releases of some classic albums, uh, you know, with that, the we've talked about before extra material. Uh, demos in it included maybe a live DVD of the of the same that back that came from the tour of that album and that sort of thing. I'd love to see them put out something proper and like you you're saying, Julian. You know, the, if they do more stuff like the Rock Lox Vegas and get do it with some other older stuff and, and make a nice package out of it, I think people will buy it. Yeah, one of my favorite things to watch on YouTube, actually, was the Foo Fighters running through their whole Wasting Light album in their rehearsal place. You know, just stripped down straight through the album, every single song. I would love to see Kiss actually do that in the rehearsal studio for their set. You know, just film performing the whole damn set, basically, and throw it up on YouTube or even release it. That'd make a pretty neat release. Another thing that I that I haven't mentioned, you kind of touched on with demos, is Gene's Monster Box. 
You know, oh, yeah. for any of these guys, I mean, why are they worrying about trying to have a full album? Ace, why doesn't he go back to, you know, put out a single or an EP? You know, three songs. Here we go. Straight up on iTunes. You know, limited edition pressing on vinyl, 7-inch or on CD. Kiss, why don't they knock out a couple of songs? You know, several years ago when the tour happened with Motley Crue, Motley Crue put out that sex single. I mean, yeah, it was shit, but... You know, at least it was a single track that they'd at least everyone, I guess, had recorded except for Mick, uh, whoever Nikki's, you know, latest flame was in the songwriting and guitar department. You know, but it was at least new music with Vince singing. So, you know, why is Kiss worrying about an album if there isn't the business model to do such? Why don't they do a song? Why don't they then maybe do another song? You know, why don't they do a song at a time? or a, a, a couple of songs go back to being a single model because you put that up on iTunes and that's you know what is what's the base price now on iTunes a dollar 29 for current stuff you know that's a pretty good margin versus a full album and if it happens to eventually become an album then that's fine they're not putting themselves in a box saying oh we got to have a a full 14 songs, you know, 16 to have a bonus track for Japan and one for a different business model. You know, stop thinking that way. That's kind of the old yeah, way. space theme song. And... <laughs> yeah, we got to have the electric theme, the space theme, and the barroom scene. You know. You know <laughs> and the demonic song. Yeah. Oh, enough. Yeah, enough. Just write some fucking music. And as far as Gene's box goes, I mean, it's becoming... You know, it's like Atlantis at this point. It's like, why don't you just put out volume one, pick ten songs. You just threw away a couple on, what was it, the Love Gun Deluxe Edition. Get out there. Ten songs. Um, You know, if the Beatles are going to throw out their 1963 bootleg up on iTunes, all of a sudden it appears one day, Kiss fans would freak out if all of a sudden a digital-only release popped up. And what's it off them? It's Profit. It's sitting there yeah. doing nothing in the vaults. Dust it off. How much effort does it take? I'm I'm sorry. It does not take that much effort. This is not rocket science. This is money. So, Mark, what do you want to see this year? Well, what I want to see and what will happen are probably two different things, of course. But uh, you know, I, I I again, like you guys, I'm I would really like to see something from Bruce again too. I mean, I really enjoyed that record. It was really well done. Uh, one of the surprise songs for me was actually the one that uh, he did with Nick there. Uh, what was that song called again? Oh, the, the King. Uh, uh, Hand of the King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hand of the King. Yeah, that that I thought that was a really cool song, and uh, I think the, when I first heard that song, that's when that's what kind of sparked my controversial comments I made dozens of episodes ago, where I suspected that Gene Simmons would be replaced by his son in Kiss years later, right? Um, but in any case. Um, I would like to see them, you know, I'd like to see Kiss make another record. I don't think they're going to make it, just like Julian said, because, again, I think that with Kiss, everything is in snail pace with these guys right now, you know. So I just, I can't imagine it happening. I mean, if it does happen, I'll be the happiest guy ever if they do it, because I'd, I'd like to, you know, have them do another another record. Another thing that I would like to for them to do is to do another deluxe edition of something, you know, the Deluxe Alive 2 they're not going to do that either, of course, because it makes so much sense to do it. They're not going to do it, right? So I think that another thing that would make a lot of sense to do, though everyone's been waiting and waiting and waiting for, and, and could be possibly more 
it would be more possible to do this, but again, I don't think it will happen. Is release that Kissology four finally? Like, you guys have been sitting on this now for a thousand years. That's but it's not going to come out. Of course not. You know, even if they rename it whatever else. You know, I mean, I don't know what the hell they're waiting for. I mean, but you know, and again, Gene has all his stuff. You know, and the problem with Gene is that, like you said, Julian. All it would take is to put it up on a digital medium like that. People will go and gladly pay the dollar whatever for each one or even whatever, $15 for all 12 that he puts up. But the, but to Gene, he he doesn't – to him, that's like peanuts. He's the, he's, he thinks big. He thinks large scale. You know, those are – that's peanut brittle money to him. You know, he doesn't want like a dollar's whatever. He, he's looking – you know, that's why he doesn't do these kinds of things because to him – he he always equates this kind of digital stuff to like you know, piddly things. You know he wants he he keeps thinking, looking back to like how it was in the seventies and you know the big advances and this and that. He still thinks that that could happen, so which is just ridiculous, right? But that, and that's why I think that he literally doesn't want to embrace this modern way of doing stuff. I just I just think that if he keeps he thinks if he keeps ignoring it, that eventually something will happen and it'll go his way, which. I don't see it happening myself, but you know, I am looking forward to seeing what happens on the European tour, of course, just to see, you know, what the new stage set is and stuff like that. But for me, I would be lying if I didn't say that I would hope that maybe they would do a tour that involves Toronto again on the date list because we haven't seen Kiss around here for a little bit, so I'd love to go and see them. You know, it's been a while, and that's one thing if there's one thing that I can have a realistic hope for, it's just that. Everything else is just a complete shot in the dark. I don't think any of the other things will happen that I mentioned, but I'm really hoping and keeping my fingers crossed that a Toronto date on a tour will happen. Well, I'm just going to remind Gene of Ronald Reagan. Trickle down economics. Gene, let the pennies trickle down, and they become dollars, and the dollars become hundreds of dollars, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But here we are. 2017 and this is the 25th anniversary of revenge so take off the fucking makeup do a deluxe edition of revenge and go out on the road with bruce kulik there you go we've all talked about new music from bruce well how about new music from bruce back in kiss celebrating revenge 25 wow lonnie did i just shock that'd you? be the, that would be the bees knees and julian you are a one right thinking kind of guy today Come on, you, you know, they'll be done. They'll be in time for October, which is when the original Revenge Tour kicked right. off. You know, and Mark, they went to Toronto, that tour, didn't they? And Ken, they came out to what is now my neck of the woods and your neck of the woods. So, okay. you know, and they're getting older. Take the makeup off. And Take the makeup off. Even if you... oh, what did we gosh, say in that episode so about... What cool. did we say in that episode about Gene going solo that... The one image that kind of popped up, you know, it kind of popped up that the image would be him from Revenge. So, you know, screw the 30th anniversary of Crazy Nights. 25th of Revenge. (laughs) 25th of Revenge. And the 40th. And the 40th of Live 2. So, or yeah, Live 2 and Love Gun. So, you know, what's easier? Revenge. Because they could take take that into the theaters. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> probably yeah. probably like they should have in 92 um so you know that's where i want to leave this episode 
you know, we've looked back at some of the good stuff from 2016 that still resonates and some of the stuff that doesn't. But also, it's more about looking forward. What do you want to see in 2017 with KISS? It's very early on in the year, so it's a blank slate at this point. You know, obviously, Paul's recovery takes priority. He needs to be ready for the run of European dates that have been announced. Um, they need to be happy and ready for the cruise. But there's a whole lot of free time. I think they should definitely think revenge. That you know, I kind of talked myself into that thinking about Bruce and you know how good BK3 was, or what he could bring back to the band with his performances. Problem was that BK3 took so long to construct. I mean, that was in progress from 2007, uh, 2008, I think even earlier for him writing. But he certainly brought in a great spectrum of guests, put them in the right place. He didn't just use them gratuitously. You know, so, you know, including Nick, you, know, you might say, well, fuck it, Simmonson. Well, you know what? Simmonson did a really good job on the song he performs on. Gene did a great uh, job on the song he performed on. So, you know, BK3, BK4, you know. As we look forward to the weekend, Ken, you know, it's LA Kiss Expo for us. Everyone, yeah. everyone else, look forward to reporting on that. I don't know how it's going to pan out in terms of time, able to post things live. But hopefully there'll be other KISS Expos. I want to get out to some other ones, hopefully on the East Coast. I don't know what Keith's doing with Indy. With, uh, I, I think it clashed with the European tour. With, yeah. with, with the European tour. But I was, usually it's in May. Yeah, but kinda... you know, why not move it around? I, didn't he used to also do one later on in the year? So, you know... Mm-hmm. I hope there's another expo for me to travel to this year. It's just one of those things I'm kind of in the mood for. So we'll have to wait and see. It's it's very early. We've put out some of our wish list, and we'll see how none of it happens, and we'll talk about this again next year. And uh, I guess we'll, 1988, we'll be celebrating the anniversary of Smashes. Yeah, 30th anniversary of Smashes. Their only double wow. platinum unmasked mm. album yeah okay let's not go there end this episode now <laughs> so we thank you for joining us do join us on facebook on the kiss faq message board wherever you listen to this and chime in with your opinion on what we've talked about today also rate us on itunes we'd like to get feedback other than a thumbs down on youtube and hear from you <laughs> what you really think about what we're doing on the show and, and we do value your opinion so we thank you for listening and we will see you next time bye for now Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.